Virginia's primaries grabbed national attention since the state is considered a bellwether on voter trends leading up to the presidential elections. What are the biggest takeaways from the primaries and how do the results impact ongoing state battles over life and parental rights? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our special guest, Bruce Schlesman. Well, we have a very interesting show for you today. We are going to be dissecting the results of the primaries from last week in Virginia and talk about what those outcomes mean on the issues that we really care about, you know, that Christians are concerned about when it comes to parental rights and the life and the religious freedom issues. And to help us break it all down today, we have an awesome guest with us, Bruce Slushman. I got the name right this yes. time, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Bruce is the executive director of the Family Foundation Action, which is a sister organization to the Family Foundation. And we're going to talk about that soon, we, you know, what the Family Foundation Action does. But before we get into it, we do have another flat hammer update. Now, Victoria has been calling this slammer hammer. She's kind of dubbed it slammer hammer. So I think we'll just go with that moving ahead. And we have a picture we're going to put up for our YouTube viewers. And you can see Victoria there with her son, and they're in front of what looks like a London tower clock or something like that. And I got kind of excited when I first saw it and thought she was in London, but no, it's just Bush Gardens. Have you been to Bush Gardens? I have not. I have not made that trip yet. It's kind of a Virginia rite of passage. It's, like, it's kind of our Epcot. Really? Yeah, so it's okay. got little Europe areas in each okay. part. What's the themed. most exotic country there? Probably. It it's like Germany, France, Scotland, England. There's one more. Can't remember what the last one is, All right, but there's well, one more. Well, you want to give me one tip for surviving bush gardens? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about tip. It's it's pretty family friendly. It's pretty a pretty typical amusement park. But yeah, you should check it out. All right. Well, we'll do this Virginia Rite of Passage, apparently. All right, well, let's get back to introducing you, Bruce, because this is your first time on the podcast. Tell us about Family Foundation Action and what you do there every day. Thank you for having me. And Family Foundation Action is a 501c4 um, sister organization of Family Foundation. So we're dedicated towards promoting conservative and pro-family values at the ballot box by helping turn out conservative and evangelical voters uh, that are lower propensity, meaning they don't vote um, every year and trying to get them to go out and vote um, for conservative candidates that are gonna support our issues. Well, you know, the action team has knocked on literally hundreds of thousands of doors and equipped voters over the years across the Commonwealth. So I'm excited that you're taking on this role to expand those efforts. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of what, how you're gonna expand what's already been done. So one is raising money so that we can expand our opera operations financially but also just more doors, more uh, phone banking, more peer-to-peer -peer text messaging in these key battleground areas and kind of expanding our grassroots presence in those areas to continue to build kind of a machine that is motivating voters year in, year out. Yeah. Not, not shutting off and starting up and starting down. That's going to be awesome. And you bring really impressive experience to the table on all that. I just want to mention a few things. Uh, you mentioned fundraising. You have tremendous experience as a fundraiser for both candidates 
and nonprofit organizations. It's interesting that you worked on Ed Gillespie's campaign for governor and also managed John McGuire's campaign uh, delegate race in 2019. And you worked on communications for Judicial Watch and uh, specifically hosted their digital television channel. So that's all great things I think we're going to benefit from. So it's great to have you on board, Bruce. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And I interned in the Family Foundation when I was in college in 2013. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's it's nice to be back. Um, you know, I knew a few people before I came on board, but, you know, obviously settling in and it's it's good to be back. All right. Well, I think we got to mention a few other really important facts about you, including the fact that you happen to be a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I know that make you, you know, that might make you some enemies on this show, but we have to mention it. For our YouTube viewers, we are flashing up a picture of Bruce sporting some of that paraphernalia. Uh, any comment on that, Bruce? Uh, I think that's the picture from the Commanders game last year where we blew him out like 31-7. Okay, so. that's, that's not going to help with friends for you, maybe. <laughs> All right, well, just to get some, you know, a, re- a redeeming fact to kind of balance that out, Bruce and his wife also have this adorable beagle named Baxter, and we're going to flash a picture up of Baxter for our YouTube viewers. Now, Bruce, I have to say, he's kind of giving you the side eye right yeah. there. No, he was not happy to be wearing the jersey. He doesn't like wearing clothes, so he... You made him wear yeah, the Eagles jersey? I did, just for the picture. <laughs> I don't know. It might also be that you're trying to hug him, and I don't know, maybe he's... Yeah, like, he's he's, <laughs> he's very tolerant, but he, uh, he does have his limits. <laughs> All right, well, we've got a lot to dive into today to really look at the outcomes from the Virginia primaries last week. And as we mentioned, this is really interesting because Virginia is considered a bellwether and was watched closely by the rest of the nation because it's considered a good place to look just to tap into what the mood of voters might be leading up to the presidential elections that we're all gearing up for. And one reason that's the case in Virginia is because we're one of these states that has elections every year, and we actually have a big election that with the General Assembly, with every seat being up for grabs coming this November, you know, leading into the presidential elections. And that's why, you know, you have more national tension than is usual for our primaries. So with that backdrop given, Bruce, what are some major takeaways that you had from the outcomes this time around? So few things, the first one being the more obvious one the media is talking about is Youngkin's endorsement is powerful. He went 10 for 10 in the contested primaries he endorsed in. And a few notable ones was Senate District 27, where his candidate delegate, uh, Delegate Tara Durant won. Mm-hmm. She's 100 percenter with the Family Foundation. Where's that area in general? Uh, that's Fredericksburg. Okay. So that's Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania, Stafford mm-hmm. area. And then Senate District uh, 17, Delegate Emily Brewer won her contested primary in what will be a battleground district. Then that's South Side. So district runs along the Virginia border from pretty much Petersburg to Suffolk. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that race, but I do think it's interesting that that fact that you called out there that Yunkin was 10 for 10 was noted by national media on both sides of the political spectrum. So we had this headline from CNN that we're going to flash on the screen for YouTube viewers. It says, results from Virginia's primaries set up test of Yunkin's influence. And then you also had a Fox News interview the day after with Governor Yunkin. And, of course, the question came up again whether he was going to run for president. And let's just hear his response. Based on those timelines, are, are you still considering whether you would run for president? 
Well, I have, I have been continually humbled by the fact that uh, someone as, as new to this as I am uh, is having his name tossed around and included in this discussion. Uh, you know, 40 years ago, I was washing trash and take, or taking out trash and washing dishes at a diner in Virginia Beach. And, and what I'm finding, of course, is that this discussion, I believe, is, is really reflective of the great progress that we're making in Virginia. You know, as I said, this was a state that was led by Democrats on all fronts, and the state was really heading so much in the wrong direction. And in 17 short months, we have fundamentally redirected things with strong economic growth and standing up for law enforcement and making sure that we're empowering parents and reestablishing excellence in education. And so our focus is on our elections this year. We've got our midterms and uh, we're off cycle. And so I've got 100 House seats and 40 Senate seats that are up this year. I want to hold our House. I want to flip our Senate, our Senate. And I believe Virginians will do that. Well, as you can tell, he's gotten a lot more used to answering that question, but he also touched on what I think a lot of our viewers, Bruce, might be wondering, and that is, you know, what, how did these outcomes of the primary impact this power struggle that we see happening right now in the General Assembly, the power struggle for control, because we have a very narrowly divided Senate, right now the House is in the Republican hands. And, you know, at the Family Foundation, we're not concerned about the power struggle. We're concerned about how the outcome of that affects the issues we care about, like parental rights, like whether we're going to protect babies in the womb. So what do you think about what what did the mid the uh, I'm saying midterms, but the the primaries tell us about that power struggle? So on the Democrat side of things, um, they rejected their more moderate candidates and went with more far-left extremist candidates that are going to champion a lot of issues we're diametrically opposed to. And they they made it very clear how they're going to behave in this General Assembly, Mm -hmm. and it's going to look more radical than when they killed every pro-family bill in the Senate. They've made it clear that they're, they're striving for an even more radical approach to that. And so, you know, it's it's concerning. Um, the Democrats have really painted themselves as more okay. l- to the left of where they were okay. last year. So we saw even more radicals gaining influence on the Democrat side, pushing it more extreme that way. Um, how does that impact whether we might be able to hold pro-life, pro-family values in the House and maybe gain more in the Senate. I mean, is there any good news here on that front? So the good news is this does help um, conservatives successfully paint them in these these upcoming general election as the more radical extreme out of or touch. Or not with even Virginians paint, but just families. reveal this yeah, is who they are. Yeah. yeah. And and so, um, you know, that's going to help. They're going to say things that are that are going to be not what the majority of Virginians want. And those uh, statements will be featured in Spirit of Virginia ad uh, pack ads across the state. Those statements are going to be featured in candidate ads uh, up and down the ballot. Um, so it, it, I think it ultimately helps conservatives um, more show Democrats how extreme and out of touch uh, a lot of these Democrat candidates are. So it, I think it ultimately helps conservatives. I also think the conservatives uh, picked the best candidates they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the candidates with the strongest chance of winning in November okay. ultimately won in several okay. of these primaries. So when you consider that it was just nine members 
of the nine left-leaning leaning members of the Senate Education and Health Committee that killed almost all of the major pro-life and parental rights bills. Do you feel like that we have any chance of changing that kind of dynamic or, the, you know, the pro-family majority in the Senate? Do we have a chance of that? Do you think it's going to be hard? What, what's your thought on that? I think our chances of winning the state Senate after these primaries from what I've seen in these races increased. I think. Why do you think it increased? I think it increased because they chose weaker candidates and the Republicans and conservatives chose stronger candidates. Okay. And, ag- and again, from a pro-family perspective, we're looking at the chance of getting our bills through. And in that regard, you're saying we, we have a chance, yes. a good chance. Yes. It's not even a slim. It could be a good chance. Yes. So okay. it's I, I still think they might be favored in November. But ultimately, I think the chances of our pro-family agenda being passed and parental rights being passed and all these things we want being passed comes from um, conservatives taking power in the Senate. If we don't mm-hmm. win the Senate, then that isn't going to happen. And so... I think our chances increased in that regard. It, now, the chances of if the Democrats take power, I do think it's going to be worse than it was last year because now all of their moderates are gone and they've been replaced mm. by more leftist, out of touch uh, extremists that are going to behave as such if they on these committees. And many, many of them will be appointed to these key committees like uh, mm. education and health. I mean, when you had people like Senator Lucas saying outright they were going to throw away every pro-life bill, so that's all. The brick that, wall. If, yeah, that could, I don't know how you get worse from that, though, with from the life issue. Right? <laughs> I think I think they're going to try. We'll see. Yeah. You know, they lost what was left of their moderates or even just their more left-leaning. There were several close calls. There were several places where they had incumbents almost lose, barely uh, hold on like Cray Deeds. Um, to much more left-leaning opponents. And then you had um, Louise Lucas versus Mm. Sproul, and we're going to get to that in a bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Sproul was an incumbent. He lost to Louise Lucas, who ran very much to the left of him Mm -hmm. and has been bragging about stopping every conservative. I mean, she had a video of her shredding conservative bills in the shredder and gleefully laughing about it. So, you know, those are are who the Democrats have chosen to represent them. Well, Planned Parenthood did not hesitate to crow over this. Here's a statement from Planned Parenthood, advocates of Virginia, Virginia boasting that Delegate Aird in particular uh, will, quote, secure a pro-abortion rights majority in the Virginia State Senate and stop abortion bans from coming to Virginia. And for our YouTube viewers, we've got that image up there on the screen where you can see that statement. You know, they're they're assuming she's going to win the General Assembly mm-hmm. race. But I think a lot of leftists are trying to use political races like these to make the point that the pro-life viewpoint is on the losing side. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Bruce. It's not. It's just they have done a good job of framing it as such in the national media. And on top of that... They got some good results out of the midterms. The lessons they learned from the midterms, which were the wrong lessons, is they can make every single race about abortion. And that's what they're going to try to do. Well, what's the encouragement? What would you say to people about why not to believe that if if you have a pro-life viewpoint and you dare to articulate it? So the, the issue is nuanced. I think the majority of people support reasonable limits on abortion mm-hmm. the majority of people support, yeah the polls show that yeah the polls show the m- majority of americans and virginians support 15-week uh abortion ban um you know there are several states and including swing states that support even more um 
limits bigger bans or, yeah. or more li uh, limits. The majority of people do not want the Democrat policy of any abortion all the time for mm -hmm. any reason. Majority of people don't want that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as they say, a lot of times to look at the trends and what's behind this, you have to follow the money. Tell us what you saw with that trend if you were to follow the money. So as a fundraiser, you know, that's that's my emphasis on from campaign background was was raising money. It's just so important in politics. And so these Democrats, so many of them were funded by far left groups, a lot of out of state groups and big in state groups of Democrat billionaires like George Soros, like bills, like uh, Planned Parenthood, like unions, like Clean Virginia uh, and so on and so forth poured millions of dollars into these Democrat primaries. On TV alone, uh, the Democrats spent $6.2 million in the primaries. Wow. Compared to a Republican spending of less than $1 million. What do we know about like the Planned Parenthood? and um, So La Charisse Aird, uh, former delegate Aird, uh, received $400,000 from Planned Parenthood, and she, she received over a million in total from several other corporations, PACs, unions, okay. and outside groups, all with an incredibly leftist tent. Okay. Well, I did think it was interesting that we heard that George Soros was funding some of the local attorney races. Yes, and he did this, and that's been his mission um, for a while. Um, these attorneys won with his support and money uh, last time, and he backed them to the hilt again, and we had Descano win in Fairfax against a close contested primary. Um, fortunately, the opponent was not well-funded, spent 5, 10 to 1, something extreme. Um, Descano won with 55% of the vote. Exact same story with Buddha Buberej, who also won with Soros money and outspent her opponent about 10 to 1, 154 to 46, I think was the final count. Um, this is a per this is an attorney who's destroyed her county with pro-crime uh, policies that are hurting her her people and the people she's supposed to represent. I mean, she's dis w isn't even allowed to take cases before judges because of the lo lack of credibility she has mm -hmm. with the courts. She can't even do her job. Well, is there any good news on the attorney front with the racists? <laughs> yes, there is a credible challenger, at least in Loudoun, um, who is a former Commonwealth attorney of the area. He's very moderate, but he's going to support police and he's going to actually do the job that a Commonwealth attorney is supposed to do. Um, he's going to be running as the Republican nominee and that's going to be a close race. There's a world where the Republican actually wins in Loudoun because of how extreme uh, Buddha has been and how unhappy so many of the residents are with the job she's doing. Well, isn't she the one that took a picture with the Loudoun Love Warriors? Yes. And for our viewers, if you don't remember, Loudoun Love Warriors were the group doxing parents and issuing death threats and several members of the group were in the Commonwealth Attorney's Office, were- Or had associations there at least. Yes, yeah. and, and staffers of local Democrat candidates and local yeah. activists. And so she took a picture like during the campaign mm -hmm. or what? No, she or invited them to her victory party to take a picture okay, with them. That says something. Yes. Um, yeah, that's disturbing. Well, let's just take this time to take a little bit closer dive into some of the races. I'd love for you to just highlight a few of them, there was a lot of attention, for example, on senators that got ousted, shall we say. Yes. Let's just start with the three-way race between Amanda Chase, Glenn Sturdivant, and Ramirez. What was her first name? Trying Tina. To, Tina Ramirez. 
And this was in Senate District 12. That's kind of the Midlothian, Chesterfield County area, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this is the question I want to ask you on that one. Because it was it was kind of a big upset with Glenn Sturdivant beating out an incumbent. And a lot of media were trying to take this and say that this is further evidence. This is another example of a Trump candidate, you know, losing out that Trump candidates aren't doing that well. And and to be fair, she did call herself Trump in heels. You know, another example of, shall we say, more colorful, exuberant personalities not doing so well. What's your take on all that? So it didn't come down to policy. I mean, Amanda Chase, great voter, 100 percent voting record with Family Foundation. This was about her personality and and a lot of local battles and infighting at, on the ground, um, I wouldn't even call her the favorite. Um, you know, she was outspent massively mm -hmm. by, by Sturdivant, who had mm -hmm. a lot of uh, funding from uh, different groups and parties in Richmond. He had the majority of the Senate caucus endorsing mm -hmm. for him and fighting many of Chase's colleagues. He had all of the local electeds endorsing him or the majority, including Sheriff Carl Leonard, who has is a little bit of a superpower in Chesterfield. Mm -hmm. His endorsement carries some serious weight. And then he had G uh, Attorney General Jason Miares and Lieutenant Governor Winsome mm -hmm. Sears. So there was a lot of forces that rallied to try and um, get Sturdivant over the line. And I think that's what it came down to. I mean, Senator Chase has a dedicated amount of supporters that stuck with her. This was a very close race. But you know, she was outspent and money money matters in politics. And she was a, a 100 percenter mm -hmm. on all of the family foundation issues with, as far as life, parental rights and that kind of thing. But in this case, it just came down to some of those more perceived personality issues is what you're saying. right? Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, she decaucused from the Republican primary uh, caucus as a um, over an issue with uh, the minority leader, mm -hmm. uh, Norman. Um, who's gone now, he's retiring. Let me ask you this. Do you agree, though, with that analysis that this was part of a bigger national trend with uh, Trump candidates and stuff? Or is no, this, this is you think regional. this is entirely localized? Entirely localized. It didn't have anything to do with her, her stance on Trump or her viewpoints. There are many conservative candidates that won across the state. This was a regional thing. All right, interesting. Well, I definitely want to hear you get more into this race that you already mentioned on Joe Morrissey. I want to make sure I'm saying his last name right. Yeah, Morrissey. Morrissey. Yeah, you got it. And Delegate Arid, um, anything else you want to call attention to on that one? Yeah, so it kind of ended in a bloodbath, which it was expected to be much, much closer. And that just came down to Arid had, I think, 1.8 mil was what was spent in that race. It was, it was a lot of money. And so it, it came down to just outspending. Morrissey had a lot of personal scandals. His, he was getting a very public divorce with his wife again and had multiple affairs. He had, there was a- Allegedly, we should probably say, but go Allegedly, ahead. yeah, alleged affairs. Her, his divorce was being litigated in the public very, and she was writing stories about it. And so he was, he was being dragged through the mud there. And then on top of that, the Demo every Democrat in Richmond came in to help. I mean, every elected official they had pretty much endorsed Aird, came in to help try to get Aird over the line, and then they spent uh, just an absurd amount of money. Planned Parenthood spent a ton of money, um, all to, to unseat Joe Morrissey. And so, and it, it did come down to the admitted about abortion. He's He, he says he's pro-life. A lot of times when the, that votes come, he hasn't voted pro-life, but he often claims he's pro-life. 
and ran on as a pro-life Democrat. Or at least seemed open to mm-hmm. negotiating on some of these, like the 15-week bill maybe seemed a little bit more open. Yeah, I mean, at one point he called his opponent, said she was guilty of infanticide. Mm-hmm. So this this was a nasty race uh, in which in which aired made it about abortion and it worked because it's a Democrat primary. Okay. All right. Good analysis. Let's talk about another fascinating Senate race, and that's the one between the, the veteran senators, mm-hmm. Lucas and Sproul. Yeah, so Lionel Sproul and... Senate Majority Leader Luis Lucas are both incumbents. They were drawn into the same district. This is one of several districts where incumbents were drawn in against each other. And most of them, they kind of settled their differences off the battlefield and one ran and one didn't. In this case, they both ran. Um, Luis Lucas ran ag- aggressively to the left and it worked. It's a I, Democrat I think I primary. saw a picture of her with boxing gloves on, mm-hmm. so it was aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> she, she did a whole ad about her in boxing gloves, like fighting the Yunkin agenda, fighting the extremist MAGA Republicans. You know, that's uh-huh. the way she framed it. And Lionel Sproul ran as, I'm just going to do the job. I'm not here mm-hmm. for glory. And unfortunately, the Democrats felt they wanted someone who was going to fight Republicans aggressively. It's back to what you were saying earlier, more radical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, the more radical member was chosen here who dubbed the state Senate killing every every good bill the, quote, brick wall. And that's kind of the Chesapeake, Hampton Roads area, is that right? Uh, Portsmouth, it's it's in Hampton Roads. It's kind okay. of Portsmouth, the, the city of Portsmouth and the surrounding area. Well, I thought it was sad uh, in one sense on the pro-family issues because Senator Sproul was one of the only Democrats as far as I understand, that supported adding religious freedom protections to the Virginia Values Act. And some of our listeners may remember that this was a sweeping act that passed that pretty much threatens the religious freedoms of churches and Christian organizations to be able to operate according to their biblical values on sexuality. Uh, Right now, because of this sweeping act, they could be threatened any day if they chose to take a stance on that in, in certain situations. Um, they don't have protections there because of this act. And, and he tried to speak up for putting those protections back in because he was hearing from local churches. So it's kind of sad that someone that was at least listening to local churches, you know, that's another example of maybe losing more of what might be these days considered more moderate, you know. I mean, on that one issue he was, I mean, he does have a pretty Democrat voting record, but he was viewed as a more reasonable Democrat that even if you disagreed with him, you could talk to him about it. And it it was disappointing to see Democrat voters pivot so aggressively to the Mm -hmm. left in every case. That was a trend we saw across the board. Well, another thing I want to talk to you about is is a swing district. There were several swing districts that you were tracking, but for the sake of time, we're just going to highlight one of those, even though I know Bruce could share a whole lot more. Um, But one of those was Senate District 17, and that's the one you briefly mentioned earlier, I think, with uh, Republican Emily Brewer winning Mm -hmm. her race. Tell us about that. So Delegate Emily Brewer is 100 percent with the Family Foundation. She's very conservative. Um, Both candidates were. um, And and I'm sorry, we should say real quick with 100 percent or what we mean with the report card. Yes. (laughs) So it's it's a Family Foundation action report card we do every year that we track how people vote in the General Assembly and score them. And when I say 100%, that means they voted 100% with the issues and the bills we were tracking, which are all pro-family, pro-biblical yeah. values, conservative bills. Yeah. All right. So continuing your analysis, yeah. she was a 100%er. She was. And uh, she ran against conservative outsider Her- uh, Hermie Sadler, who is a former NASCAR driver, local business owner from uh, Emporia, which is counted for about 1% of the population of the district, very rural. 
Um, she was a business owner too. Her businesses are headquartered in Suffolk, which is the kind of heartbeat of this district. It's where the majority of the population sits. And so she was known, a known entity. She was well liked by the population. She'd represented them well as a delegate. So it, it really came down to name ID. She was a, outspent by Hermie who self-funded, but at the end of the day, it just came down to name ID. She was a known entity and both candidates were conservative here. Now, why is this district considered one of the swing districts? So this district, Yunkin won by three or four points. Until that point, this was a historically Democrat district because it has a, a large uh, rural black population. And so that, that community recently started moving more Republican and moving more voting more conservative. Like I think Yunkin and Otto, Delegate Otto Waxman, who is in this area a bit, he won I think about a third of black voters and Yunkin won a similar margin uh, with rural black voters in this district specifically, not statewide. I should make that caveat. Um, so this is a district that will determine control of the state Senate. Um, it's rated by VPAP as a lean R, meaning it leans slightly Republican. It really isn't. It's a swing district um, because until that, I mean, Yunkin was the first Republican statewide to win this district in a very long time. So it's a historically Democrat district that recently started flipping Republican. Okay, so it it could come down to this district. I mean, how many, we won't go into all of them, but how many swing districts are there? I would say four. Okay. And so this is one of them. This is one of the more Republican swing districts. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, there are a few that aren't as friendly to us. Okay, interesting. Um, or yeah, fr friendly to our, you know, maybe getting some 100 percenters on the life, family, mm -hmm. and freedom issues. Yeah. Um, so, um, Bruce, I just I think I want to pick your brain on some other takeaways. Like, what what was the biggest surprise for you? The biggest surprise, um, I mean, Amanda Chase surprised me a little bit. Um, I thought, despite the money and despite you know kind of the huge push from from um, some Republicans, I I thought she was going to pull it out. Um, that was a surprise to me. Uh, the biggest surprise was the Democrats losing four incumbents, um, possibly more, um, and so. That was a huge surprise. I mean, that's that's the first time that's happened in decades in the state. I think it's the most incumbents total that have ever been lost uh, since 1990. And that's because of this redistricting that they Part, did? Partly because of redistricting. That did make some of the incumbents more vulnerable with these new areas and that were deep blue areas that um, had a lot of more radical voters in it. That That is true. But it also came down to the Democrats decided they wanted to embrace candidates with more extreme positions. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, let's end on an encouraging note. What was the most encouraging trend or a few of those that you saw out of this? Uh, the most encouraging trend was one Youngkin's endorsement being powerful. That'll matter in uh, November. He's still popular uh, overwhelmingly with most voters, including independents, especially independents. That'll matter when the chips are down in November. But the biggest encouragement I took was, I think, our odds of taking the state Senate improved. Okay. I love so the candidates we got. For Christians that aren't necessarily concerned, let's say you're a Christian, you don't care about, I mean, you care about it, but you're not looking at Democrat, Republican so much as mm -hmm. your Christian values. Why should those things be concerning or encouraging to them? I think that the candidates we got specifically will fight more strongly for pro-family values. And I think our odds of getting a more pro-family conservative state Senate rest on these candidates. Um, mm -hmm. And if we're going to affect change in Virginia, we need mm -hmm. the conservatives to take control of the state Senate. And I think our, our odds went up of that happening.
Our odds of the continued frustration of parents fighting hard for parental rights bills only to see them thrown in the, tra- in the trash mm-hmm. would hopefully decrease. And I'm so. seeing a lot of candidates openly running on school choice, on parental yeah. rights. That was it's, encouraging. It seems to be the banner that a lot of uh, conservatives all across the state, key districts or just red districts are running on. That's worth mentioning. The parental rights banner definitely continued. And, you know, do you feel like Christy Newcraig, um, hopefully I yes. got her last name correct, yes. Christy Newcraig, do you feel like she was part of that parental rights wave? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. She is. She's going to be one of the biggest fighters for parental rights in, in the state. Where, where was that area? It's Chesapeake. It's yeah, like, that was another kind of upset. Uh, that we didn't talk about, but um, I wouldn't say upset, but it was that was a very very swing primary where there okay. were three candidates that all had a really good shot of winning, and she won in a very close uh, uh, primary. Because she was a strong uh, parental rights school board candidate, yes. is how I'm kind of familiar with her. Very okay. very much so, and all right. we expect her to vote that way in the state senate. All right. Well, let's just wind up by talking about how people can get involved. You know, everyone's got an eye toward the November election coming up, or as we mentioned, every single seat in the House and Senate is going to be up for grabs. And if you want to find out how your candidate stands on life, family and freedom issues or how you can, you know, get involved with candidates that you feel like reflect your values, what can they do, Bruce? How do they get plugged in with your team to try to get educated on the candidates and figure out how they can support ca- uh, candidates that they feel like support their values? So a lot of ways, door knocking, phone banking, we're gonna need a lot of volunteers for. We have two volunteer trainings coming up. Um, June 28th, we're having one in the Hampton Roads area and we're sending out emails about that. And then June 29th, we have the Richmond area um, volunteer training that'll be at the office. And so those are two ways to get involved, to start helping us with knocking doors, phone banking, promoting these pro-family values and candidates at the doors and getting voters who believe that way to go out and express their civic duty. Because ultimately at the end of the day, we need voters to show up. I think they're out there. I think if all of our people showed up, we're going to be successful in November. So a lot of the help people can do is just voter education and reminding them to vote. Um, We've got the report card that's already out there. You can go on the website, familyfoundation.org, and just look for the report card banner. There's a voter guide that'll be coming out soon. Yes, there'll be a few voter guides in all of these districts kind of showing where all the candidates stand on the issues. Okay, those will be from Action. Um, So just tell them how to get to the Action website. So familyfoundation.org slash action. uh, There's a tab on the the website for Action. Just click on that, and that's, that's how you get to the Action website. All right, familyfoundation.org slash action. Is that right? Okay. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Bruce, thanks for doing such a great job walking us through that. Obviously, you're a wealth of information. I'm sorry we don't have more time to go, you know, pick your brain even more, but I'm sure we'll be doing this again after another election. So Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Don't forget, everyone, to let people know about the Speak Up Virginia podcast. Share that YouTube playlist, Speak Up Virginia playlist. And if you're listening through the audio version, be sure to give us a review if you enjoy what you hear to help us reach more people on Spotify and Apple and platforms like that. So thanks again, everybody. Remember, we are stronger when we speak together.